This Moment Outdoors is brought to you by L.L. Bean, official partner of the National Park Foundation for the Find Your Park movement. In 2007, something remarkable happened in Cuyahoga Valley National Park. A young bald eagle took flight from its nest along the Cuyahoga River. It was the first successful nest in Cuyahoga County in more than 70 years. The eaglet grew up eating fish from the Cuyahoga River. Throughout most of the 1900s, fish couldn't survive there neither could the wildlife that depend on it as a food source. I'm Jason Epperson, and on today's episode of America's National Parks, Cuyahoga Valley, and the event that helped call the world to the attention of polluted waterways. Cleveland, Ohio was a bustling manufacturing hub, and the river, which empties into Lake Erie, had long been a dumping place for sewage industrial waste. Yellowish black rings of oil circled on its surface like grease in soup, said a Czech immigrant about his first sight of the river back in the 1880s. The water was yellowish, thick, full of clay, stinking of oil and sewage. Piles of rotting wood were heaped on either bank of the river, and it was all dirty and neglected. Cleveland essentially used the river as its sewer, and manufacturing plants were allowed to dump into it at will. The pollution was so bad, the river would often catch fire. Between 1868 and 1952, it burned nine times. So when the river caught fire again in June of 1969, it wasn't much of a surprise. The fire burned only 24 minutes, too quick for the local paper to get a photograph. Fame came later, though, when Time magazine ran an article about the incident in its August 1st issue, widely read because of the cover story on the Chappaquiddick scandal. The article described the Cuyahoga as the river that oozes rather than flows, and in which a person does not drown, but decays. This coupled with a massive oil spill in California that put 3 million gallons into the Pacific, became a rallying cry for America to protect its waterways. The event helped spur an avalanche of pollution control activities, resulting in the Water Quality Improvement Act of 1970, the Clean Water Act of 1972, the Great Lakes Water Quality Agreement, and creation of the state and federal environmental protection agencies. The fire even helped inspire the first Earth Day. Today, we join the Ohio EPA for interviews from the many different agencies tasked with the almost unthinkable recovery that has people eating fish from that very river today. Wayne Bratton 
captain of the SS Holiday. On that particular bridge where the fire was, there's the rail cars hauling molten steel from the JNL plant over to the rolling mills. And they all start sparking 90 oil and the debris at the base of the bridge. Bob Wisinski, Ohio EPA, retired. The noise was deafening, the air was choking, and the river, just depending on what day you were there, there was oil, there was pickle liquor, it was flowing orange, red, and uh, just all, it, it, was, it was almost an alien environment. It had its own unique smell, and uh, a big cleanup tool for an oil spill was a squeegee, shove it all off into the river. But remember, all of this was before the Federal Water Pollution Control Act of 1970 and 1972. So all of that was quite legal, what was being done to make a mess in the river. Jen Greiser, Senior Natural Resource Manager, Cleveland Metro River Area of Concern. Time Magazine captured an image and that really led people to say, no more, we, we need to do something about this. So it was just getting enough political will to address this and, and really start with the industries that had turned their back on the river. That was, that was pretty shocking. Um, like I said, uh, you know, I, I was hired by the agency to clean this river up and I remember having some thoughts about it. It might be hopeless, you know. There were days where I really wondered whether we were, were going to be able to make any progress at all down in an area like that. There was a group put together called the Oil Study Group, and it was made up of all the people that handled oil on the river. Everybody became, let's say, good corporate citizens and did their part to try and study this thing and see how we could clean it up. When we first sat down, some of the very first RAP meetings that we had, it stands for Remedial Action Plan, and this came out of the International Joint Commission, which was a commission set up between the United States and Canada, initially to deal with border disputes, but water quality became such an issue in the late 60s and early 70s, they took on the role of uh, water quality. We had members from the Sierra Club, we had LTV Steel, and we had Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District. I mean, there were a lot of different perspectives on what they wanted and what they felt was needed for the river. People had their shields up and people were guarded during the first few meetings, but as they went on, I noticed people started, you know, a lot went on getting coffee in between the breaks and people talking on the side and, hey, this guy's not so bad, he's not really the enemy. Getting one another to listen to one another and better understand that, uh, that that's a real important part of that process. Frank Greenland, Director of Watershed Programs, Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District. The Clean Water Act, the, the, the first version of the Clean Water Act, an EPA was formed both nationally and at the state level. Coincidentally, the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District, then the Cleveland Regional Sewer District, was formed to tackle broad issues. When rivers are burning, things are bad. Elaine Marsh, Summit Metro Parks, Friends of the Crooked River. There wasn't an understanding of what we could do to make it better. We did not have any of the technologies that we had now. 
And that's one of the important things about the cleanup of the river is that we had to develop an education system where we actually trained technicians on what to do. We had to do research in terms of what to find out what could be done. And these processes got better over time. So we had to invent a whole new set of clean water infrastructure uh, in order to clean up the river. A lot of the improvement, I think, can be attributed to a few things. Obviously, a lot of investment by the sewer district, $5 billion, more than $5 billion, since we were formed. Other investments by other communities, city of Akron and surrounding communities, but there's been investment, environmental investment, to help clean up things and make things better in terms of water quality. Industrial dischargers became regulated under the Clean Water Act. We play a role, we are kind of the EPA uh, for the what we call a pretreatment program. Industries need to clean up their waste streams before they discharge to us. And that's really helped as well. So there's been sustained investment over time. Kyle Dreyfus Wells, CEO, Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District. I think so often in the environmental community, you know, it's kind of a bummer, right? So folks see mistakes and we talk about climate change and people feel like there's a lack of progress. But when you come to Cleveland and you go to the Cuyahoga River and you walk along the east banks of the flats, you can see it, you can smell it, and it's a huge improvement. You're not gonna see stuff like the flats on a river that's full of oil. So that really stimulated some of the economic things. And there's another uptick going on right now. And I think that's great. Um, the Metro Parks has taken control of certain areas. You got a restaurant on the river. The thing that amazed me about Cleveland is no restaurants on the lakefront. Why is that? Because things were bad, but we're starting to see that. Uh, we've got kayakers on the river. You know, St. Ignatius and other high school teams are sculling on the river. It's all good. There's a lot of boating interests, particularly sport fishing, you know, going on. So there's all of these are quality of life enhancements. I think the biggest victory is that we have fish in the river and we have people utilizing the river. We have freighters going up and down. There's more and more people trying to access the river, but not just the human use, but we do have that good enough health to have teams of fish that are swimming up and down the river. Jane Goodman, Executive Director, Cuyahoga River Restoration. People partying at the East Bank or going to a concert um, in the flats. Shiny, new, colorful, fun, exciting. It's not just the bridges that have color. The valley now is colorful. And that's not something you find in a dirty old industrial valley. It's definitely a model for environmental protection. My colleagues at Ohio Environmental Protection Agency talk about how they're visited by teams of people from all over the world um, because they had heard about that, that last burning of the river and how it started the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and the Clean Water Act. So it's a model as far as getting those regulations and, and beginning to clean up the water. As people from both sides of the river come down to know it, they start to love it. That is what we need going forward. 
With regards to the future and, and what's coming down the pike for the Cuyahoga River, one of our, our kind of near-term goals is the removal of the Gorge Dam in Cuyahoga Falls. That would return the river to naturally flowing stream between Akron and the mouth at Lake Erie and here in Cleveland. Bill Zawiski, Ohio EPA water quality supervisor. So on the Cuyahoga River, about halfway up-ish, there's a dam. It was uh, originally built in uh, the early 1900s as a hydro plant. So it never worked out as a, a functioning hydro plant, but the structure is still there and it blocks river movement, so it disturbs the system, impounds water. Taking it out, which would be an awesome thing, requires partnerships above and beyond just Ohio EPA, and the community has to support it. Our fish don't jump. They're not getting up past the gorge dam, because they don't crawl. They don't jump, they don't fly, they don't crawl. So we have to remove the barriers, and dams are barriers, to fish population. That's life in a system. So restoration is life if we make it possible. The Gorge Dam is a, a hunk of concrete sitting in the middle of the river, creating probably the largest unresolved water quality issue on the Cuyahoga River. There is a dam pool behind it about a mile and a half long and we do not meet water quality standards in that dam pool. So the opportunity here is to restore a mile and a half of water quality. This two mile section of the Cuyahoga River, the river falls over 200 feet. So we have this spectacularly beautiful geography which provides an opportunity for tourism, um, even beyond what we experience now. It provides an opportunity for expert paddlers. Don Walters, mayor of Cuyahoga Falls. What we've done in the recent past is we had two smaller dams that were removed. And what that did is that opened up about a half mile of challenging whitewater. And behind the Sheridan in our downtown, we have class five rapids, but now there's a larger portion for the kayakers to enjoy. However, when those dams came down, we had to install signs with the guidance of our law department says extreme danger, get out here. That's where those kayakers get in for their competitive races. With the class five rapids, the, the large dam, the Edison dam at the old power plant is still there. The kayakers tell me if that comes down, there will be two and a half miles of challenging whitewater in Cuyahoga Falls, and there's nothing even close to that east of the Mississippi. So we'll be building more restaurants and hotels just for that reason. What happened on the Cuyahoga River has benefited the entire world just because it put this, hey, water quality can get so bad. At that time with the news and what, what ended up happening was, yeah, this was the image. And we probably at some point should have been saying, hey, this isn't right. We looked at the Cuyahoga River last year as part of what we call an assessment at EPA. And most of the main flowing part of the river meet the standards we have in Ohio. 
I think it shows how far we've come, and, and luckily so, because that could not continue the way it was. It was catastrophic to the waterway, to health, to the pollution, to dangerous situations, obviously, with a lot of the oil and things that were floating. So the fact that that's what finally it took, I, something catastrophic, to change our mindset, and we have. And even to today, we're still pushing forward to preserve nature as, as it was intended. I embrace the burning river. I know what it meant when it burned. We have taken that burning river and turned it into a phoenix. Where we are right now is kind of a zenith. And so it's very important for us to continue these values so that the zenith continues to improve. Many initiatives have helped to improve the river. Cuyahoga Valley National Park is part of the story. In 1974, President Ford signed legislation to create the park a few miles upstream from the fire location. The park protects 22 miles of the river, nearly a quarter of its length. In 1974, Cuyahoga Valley National Park was very much unlike it is today. Mining, farming, and development had left thousands of acres without vegetation. Exposed soils eroded into the river, creating problems downstream. Early park projects replanted those sites. Other projects cleaned up hazardous waste dumps. And the park has worked hard to remove dams that affect the natural flow of the river. Often there are people that wonder if Cuyahoga Valley should ever have been made a national park. They say it's not big enough, it's not special enough. Cuyahoga Valley may not make your lungs freeze in excitement, but as Daniel Beard said of the Everglades, breath-sucking is still not the thing we're striving for in preserving wilderness areas. Today, the National Park Service and its partners restore habitats that protect the river. Wetlands and forests are priorities. Wetlands act like sponges, absorbing and filtering stormwater. Over 1,500 wetlands occur in the park. Forests shade waterways, preventing them from overheating. Leaves slow down rain, giving soil a better chance of soaking it up. Where trees come close to the water's edge, their roots stabilize the banks. From 2007 to 2018, 15 eaglets have flown from the valley's nests. This episode of America's National Parks was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, and I'd like to thank the Ohio EPA for the use of their interviews. You can find the whole documentary complete with video at nationalparkpodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group. We'll link to all of our social media, as well as National Park Service resources in the show notes. If you're interested in RV travel, give us a listen over at the RV Miles podcast. You can also follow Abigail and I as we travel the country in our converted school bus with our three boys at ourwanderingfamily.com. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to
the New York Island From the Redwood Forest To the Gulf Stream waters This land was made for you and me Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit LLBean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks. <laughs>